Hey, Fungo Banter fans, Eric Sorensen back here with another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter podcast. I am joined here, or going to be joined here by Jason Jarrett and Kelly Gow in just a minute here at Big Country Studios in Ellensburg, Washington. I have, a, I have a really great episode ahead for you today. Coach Sean Thompson, head coach at Columbia Burbank, but he's been all over the place. A uh, guy that we were going to play against this year in the EWAC League here in Washington State, and we're, we're bummed we didn't get that chance. Uh, make sure to share us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook at Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter. Follow us on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW and let all your friends know about us. Subscribe, rate. We'll be coming out with another poll this next week and also our Fungo, Fungo Banter Topic Friday. Great conversation this week. Well, let's bring on Coach. Hey, Fungo Banter fans, we're back with our guest for this episode, head coach at Columbia Burbank High School, Sean Thompson. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's it's a pleasure. It's always good to talk baseball when we have to sit in our office all the time. 100%. I, this is, yeah, this is saving the day, that's for sure. Uh, all right, you know the first question. What's your favorite Fungo? So it's, I go back and forth, man. I, I, I love SSKs. I've loved Mizunos. Uh, I'm actually using Devo's right now. Devo made me a, a personalized one down here, so I've been using that the last couple of years, and that's it's been a solid fungo for me. Uh, I've been re- need to check those out here soon. I feel like they're a local guy down there. That's the a good job. Yeah, absolutely. So talk us through your path into coaching. I know you've been you've been all over, and and talk us into what led you into taking the Columbia Burbank job. Man, I, I don't know if we have enough time to go through my whole. <laughs> coaching background I've been I have been all over um I started coaching high school baseball I I was thinking about it this morning I think it's 2003 uh my first coaching job was an assistant at Highland High School uh in the Yakima area Uh, I I was there for a year uh then I jumped to East Valley High School in Yakima with with uh with Jesse and, and Craig there um and then I went to Davis which is where I went to high school um and then after that, I started jumping into the uh, into the college ranks. I went to YBC for a year, um, back up to Central where I was going to school. I was there for about a year and a half. Um, I took a, a summer collegiate job out in, in the Carolinas for a year, and that led me into uh, taking a, a D1 volunteer assistant at Eastern Kentucky. Uh, I was there for, for basically for two years uh, before moving home uh, and taking, taking on the, uh, the Eisenhower High School job as a head coach there for two years. Um, I left that when I, I left education and I, I was the, took over the Yakima Beatles as the head coach there. Uh, we moved to the Tri-Cities about four years later. So I've been down here for four years. Uh, I, I coached the Kennewick Outlaws with, with Nate Holdren, uh, was the, the GM and I was basically the head coach. And uh, that was fun because we got to go to the World Series and, and see all the American Legion festivities out there, which is that's a, quite a show. Um, that was, that was a fun time, but, uh, being down here, I, I, I took a, an assistant job with Brent Wyatt with CBC for, for a couple years. And, uh, and then I was, I was helping out in the fall with, uh, Steph when he took the job this year. And, and then I, I wanted to get back into, into leading a program. Uh, so, and, and being local, it, it, knowing the small schools, it's, it's kind of fun because you, you have to build basically from the ground up. And I, it was kind of a challenge to go from college to, the 2b level but that's something that i was excited about because i got to go back to to legitimately just coaching rather than just managing so so here i am (laughs) i know like jason and i were excited to have you in the league and then we don't even get to play so uh (laughs) and that's going to be a whole new different league next year and 
right another right. time for another topic uh before <laughs> we go into our, our seventh inning banter um part of this i wanted to ask a question to you because you're going through everything and it was a question that jason asked a couple episodes ago you know if you could go back and what was you know at each stop along the way what was it that got you into where you're at now uh coaching wise like at what have you taken along the way to be yeah, where you're at? You know, I think the biggest thing for me is that each stop I built more and more relationships. I got to know more and more people. Um, and, and I'm just an open-minded guy. So, I, I mean, I learned so much from every single guy that I was able to coach with, uh, coach for, uh, guys that have coached for me. I've learned stuff from them. So I think that that's baseball in a nutshell. The, the, what's going on right now with with this this whole pandemic and stuff and seeing all of these podcasts and 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 the the zoom videos the baseball family is huge but it's extremely small so just being able to build those relationships and, and take those every step of the way because i still have have people that i talk to almost weekly that i broke into coaching with or that i that were mentors of mine or that were people that i met when i was coaching at highland so uh it's 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 something special. And that's, that's one thing that sets baseball aside, I think from, from other, even other sports is just, it's, we grind at this thing together um, from field work to hitting a fungo to winning a state championship, to going to a world series. Everybody had to start at the same spot and you build those relationships and you take them with you. I think that's the biggest thing that I, that I've taken from each stop. You know, Coach, uh, you're stepping into a new position there at Burbank. And like Eric was saying, we were very excited to have you part of the EWAC League. And uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about where you you were at um, when this whole COVID-19 took place. And and how has it kind of taken place for your guys and yourself? And you're building this program. You're, you know, Burbank once was a powerhouse 1A school long, uh, long ago that kind of dipped and, uh, you know, from – what I read and what I, I see, you're kind of doing the right steps and getting that powerhouse uh, back up on top. So what are you doing in those preparations during this kind of downtime and how has that affected things for you in this new role? You know, it's it's been really weird. I mean, honestly, when, when I found out that NBA shut down, we were coming back, we, we got to play a jamboree in Yakima. We were coming back from a jamboree and we were sitting in minors celebrating because we played above where we thought we were as a coaching staff and and the, the guys were ecstatic because they, they, they could see what was going on. They could, the, you could see that buy-in. We, we felt like we got the buy-in, but you could really see it sink in a little bit when, when we were sitting there. And, um, and then we're reading the stuff on, on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm like, holy cow, the NBA is completely shut down. And what's this mean for MLB? What's this mean for college? And then the next day is when everything kind of broke loose. Our AD sent us an email and said, hey, this might hit us sooner than we think. And um, – I went to practice that day. I had full practice plan out and I literally took the first 20 minutes and I sat, we just talked and I, I let, let the guys know kind of what, what might be coming. And, and um, we were told to have a normal practice and stuff and we got through it and did some stuff and we got a lot done, but it was, it was not a normal practice because there was just that hanging over our head a little bit. And uh, sure enough, Friday, the next day, we were told that we were shut down for what I don't until tell April or whatever it was in mid April. And, and that, I mean, that's when it really sunk in that, that we had touched a bunch of kids in 10 days or 15, 12 days or whatever it was of actual practice. So we sat in the dugout and our hats came in that day. 
<laughs> so hmm. we were handing out our hats and um and i was letting them know what was going on and seeing the guys in tears and having having a senior come up and hug me and just be like i i don't even know what what's going on like this just this feels like a movie um was a challenge but it was i mean it it hurt my heart but at the same time it really let me know that what we were doing was right because i here i, I don't know what what had gone on in the past and I, I i know that the coaching staff had been there for a long time they've been successful and, and recently they hadn't been as successful so it, it sounds like uh, they were having having a little bit of trouble connecting with some of the guys and 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 that's what i pride myself on and i i think that um, that the kids, you know, they were buying in, they were building a relationship, not only with us, but with their, with their team. So it was a prideful moment, but it also sucked because we, I, I knew that there was a pretty good shot. We weren't going to get on the field at that time. Um, so we, I didn't get to see it grow. I didn't get to see it, see the, the three seniors that we had, um, succeed at a level that they weren't used to. Um, so it was, it was challenging and then we're trying to keep in touch with group me and trying to do some of these, the like zoom meetings, but it's just not the same, you know, I mean, we're, it, I'm just making myself accessible to them. Um, not, not many of them are taking up on it, but, but it's, I, I think that they just don't know what to do right now. And, um, we've got a big junior class. So them going into next year, they're, I'm just hopeful that I can push them to try to stay ready so that they can compete and play hard and, and we can have a fun year next year. But um, it's been, it's been certainly a challenge to, uh, to realize that we were, I think on the right path uh, to push, to push you two guys and, and, and have some battles on the field for, for a whole season, you know, and, and, and to have that taken away was, was really challenging. Hey, Banner fans, this is Brian Green, head baseball coach with Washington State University, and you are listening to the Pacific Northwest Fungo Banner Podcast. Go Cougs! So we're going to roll into our seventh inning stretch part of the podcast, which we finally got a name for this part. Thanks to Mark Garza. He reached out to us, and you know, between innings, that's when I do my talking at the game, right? Uh, When you're watching like a Mariners game or something, and and my wife, I let her get her, her steps in of what she had to say during that inning, you know, instead of watching baseball here. But, uh, you know, let's go into some of the topics. And, and what's – I know it's too early, it's so early still, but maybe what's something that you're going to – you guys are playing ahead of trying to get your guys – because I guess what – the reason I'm going to ask this question is what you just said there. You have a class full of juniors, and I'm worried about it because i got a young team coming into next year and just losing this year of development. It's hard. What's your plan to right. – or do you have a plan that's – yet? You know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm, I, we've been talking about it as a staff. And, and one thing that I think has lacked at, at Columbia Burbank in the past is there was no plan. There was nothing there set in stone that, um, guys, I mean, guys would just roll in at the first practice and having not picked up a baseball since May, you know, and, and, uh, and they know that they can't do that now. So we, we were able to, uh, secure some, some time slots for guys to go in and hit and play catch this, this fall. So it was, I mean, just knowing that I had eight to 10 guys actually throwing a baseball and hitting before the season this year was, was a huge step in the right direction. Um, so this year we, I, I mean, I got the job, I think we, it was official like the end of November. So I really didn't have a ton of time to plan and we had to try to order all of our stuff and figure out what we had and didn't, but this year we're, we'll be ahead of that. And, and, um, the guys coming back, they, they know what to expect a little bit. I know it was just two weeks, but they understand the you know the the stress that comes with practice what we're what we're working to try to accomplish every single day and that we're we're trying to get that one percent better every day 
um, so they know that they can't just roll into baseball practice in, in the end of February, early March, and, and be ready to go. So um, I'm working on trying to hopefully, if there's some summer stuff, trying to get get those guys to play this summer. Most of them have not done that in the past, um, and so but they've all committed to wanting to play if there's an opportunity. Um, and then just you know getting into the fall, most of them are three sport athletes, as you guys probably deal with too. And um, but having having workout plans for them having hitting sessions, having opportunities for them to go do it. Um, and I think I'll see a lot better attendance this year just because they know it's an option now. You know, we are from small schools, and I know a lot of their schools are doing that, but three-sport athletes, that's something we didn't have on the topic. But that's something that I felt like this year our team had a group of kids that played basketball and football together. Mm-hmm. And so the stuff that we had to do and some of the team-building things, we didn't have to do we were still doing it, but we didn't have to build too much of a camaraderie right away because they had been together since September. Right. And I think that's, yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. I, and that, that did help in the first two weeks that, uh, and, and it'll help moving forward because I mean, in small towns, all, small schools, everybody knows everybody. So they've already got a relationship. You're not going to change who kids think each other are, but you can change kind of how, how they interact with each other and you can kind of help them, help them build those relationships based on how you, how you run your practice and do those things. So they see each other in maybe a different light. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it's challenging, which is good. I'd rather have three sport athletes than a bunch of guys that just throw a baseball all year long and then need Tommy John at the end of the year. Coach, talk about the, uh, you know, putting together staff this year, that planning that goes into it the involvement piece, how, how do you engage with that staff of coaches that you have and, and how has that been successful with the, the guys that you put in position for this year? You know, it's putting it together as staff is, is probably the most, the toughest part and the most important part of taking over a program. Um, you need guys that you can trust, but you also want guys that you can build. Um, I, I think that that's a, a key piece. I'm, 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 I'm in a leadership role and I want to help guys get to the next step. I want them to, to feel like they can put me on a resume and, and try to take that next step in their coaching career. And that's what I talked about earlier with relationships, man. I mean, I, I'm blessed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have taken any of the steps that I took without great relationships and people saying, yeah, let's, let me help you. What can I do? You know? Um, so I, am fortunate that I've got, I've got some guys that, that have coached with me before with, with the Beatles, a guy named Jared McEwen, who I grew up with. He, he was, he's like, Hey, I've got family in Tri-Cities. I'm moving. Okay, come on down. Uh, so he, you know, he's he's run my outfield and my hitters before. He kind of has an under, understanding of how I operate and what our practice setup looks like. Um, and then, you know, we 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 put out a, a a job and online and had a few a few applications and we got to interview and and again it goes back to relationships. Every guy that applied, I was able. I mean, I knew kind of who they were, but I was able to call guys that they'd been with or play who they played for, who they played. You know, people that have coached against them as coaches and players. Um, Hey, can I trust this guy? What, what can, what can I take from him? I mean, where, where does he come from? Uh, And what's he going to do for our, for our kids? Is he going to, is he going to be a builder? Like I want to see. And, and we were fortunate. Andrew Castillo is a a local guy that, that had played here at Kamiakin. He played at at YVC and then he he went on to play at UT Martin in the OVC. So being an Eastern Kentucky guy, I was, I was excited to get another OVC guy on staff. Um, but I mean, it, it was great to see a young guy that wanted to do it and had the energy and the same passion that I had, especially when I was his age, 24 years old, like he's just wanting, wanting that sniff and everybody needs a shot. So, um, that, that, 
helped a ton getting excited guys and getting one one new young guy and one guy that's that's been around the block with me was huge because then we could kind of just I could formulate my plan based off of who they are and and let them run with it. So the, the next question I want to ask you and it's something that Kelly and I have had a lot of conversations through the years about and when I first called you to see if you do the podcast uh, I was out of breath hiking through a hayfield, which you probably thought was weird, but uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of people have to deal with that. But you know, one of the things that when I was this is my sixth <laughs> year and going through the first couple of years, I tried to do everything. So my question for you, and it's something we had a great conversation. I wish we had record during that time of the hike, the hayfield. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, delegating positions and and roles for your coaching staff, and talk about that. And then when after you're done talking about that. Talk about how you want to make a coach, your assistant coach, take that responsibility, make it his, but make it his within your criteria. Yeah, it's a great question, and I, I wish we would have recorded the Hayfield conversation. Yeah. That, that would have been just fun to listen to you. Um, <laughs> I was huffing and puffing, but... man. It wasn't that fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know, I mean, trying to build a staff and, 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 and letting guys go, like that – I got so fortunate when I went to Eastern Kentucky, it was, it was really interesting. Jason Steen was the head coach. He's, he's now the, he's an assistant coach at Duke now. And, and it was his first year as a head coach there. And, and it was really, I took a ton from him um, because I watched him try to build a staff. And he also wanted the same thing you were saying is he wanted to have his hand on everything. He was just like, I need my finger here. And it, Cause it's your name on the line. Right. And, and, we've all dealt with that, especially when you're taking over a new challenge. And, and, um, at a certain point in the fall, um, we had a staff meeting and I was the volunteer. I was the new guy. He didn't, nobody knew me. I came, I drove with my dog and from Washington to Kentucky in three days. So nobody knew me from Adam. And, and he just asked in the staff meeting, Hey, how, how are things going? I said, man, it's going great. It would go a lot better if I just got to work with my guys during individuals without, without one more guy here with me, because then it's, too many voices and I wasn't trying to be rude or, or kibosh, you know, put a kibosh on what he was doing, but he looked at me. He's like, you know what, Sean, you're right. He goes, I just, you need to take off. You need to do, do what you need to do. And, and obviously I, I would, I had a good idea what, what we wanted to do. It had been three, four weeks of me doing the same things. And so I knew what, what we wanted as a staff, we talked about it. So having that communication prior to practice, prior to, to, set putting putting together your whole system making sure everybody's on board i think that goes back to kelly's question and in, in, in building your staff you have to make sure that they know that even before you start practice before you hire them hey this is what i look for this is how this is how i run a practice here's a practice plan i don't care if if you or jason have my practice plan that's fine i mean it's it, how we run it are, is going to be a little bit different so uh having that buy-in from each guy uh, is, is incredibly important. And, and, and it also, it's empowering because every, every single guy has so much to, to add, like the Andrew Castillo coming in, who had only coached one year of high school baseball at the C team level, man, he's got so much energy. I, I have to bottle him up a little bit, but he's, he's got a ton to add. He was an outfielder. I, and I said, Hey, can you do infield? Can you run the infield? Here's what I want to see done because I think it's important for you to understand all the skill sets. Now, I, I obviously wanted to make sure that the guys were doing what we wanted them to do and all those things. But, you know, what, what he did by empowering him before we started the season, that guy was on YouTube and on Twitter and finding drills and doing all this stuff 
before we were able to get to practice. And I'm getting my, I have to tell them to slow down during, you know, while I'm working because I'm getting my phones blown up with texts and stuff of, of different videos. And, and it, it's great because he knew at that point that I, it was his, I, I'm going to let you run it. Now there was a couple times during practice that I would be doing my rounds and, and he would, he, he, I would change something or I'd pull afterwards. We'd have a conversation about it. And, and it was never me throwing him under the bus. It was always modifying what he was doing so that it, it mirrored kind of what I thought we should get out of that drill. Um, and, and I think the most important thing with, with leading a staff is empowering those guys to make them feel like you're not, you're not the dictator. I mean, we, we are all in this together. We all, all of us on the staff want to hold the trophy. We want to win the last game. We might have different ideas on how to do that. And I always ask them, Hey, what could we have done better today? What do you want to see on the practice plan tomorrow? And that's the two questions I ask at the end of every single practice. And it's, it's fun because at the beginning it's, everybody's like, Oh no, that was great. You know, this is good. We, we could, you know, I don't, I think whatever you want. And, but then by two, three weeks in, you're like, Hey, we need to do this. Like, I'm not seeing this with the hitters. I'm not seeing this with the outfielders and I might've missed it. But if I don't empower them early on and give them that sense that, Hey, I'm not here to, to watch over you the whole time they wouldn't be that way. So I, I learned that I was fortunate to learn that in Eastern, at Eastern Kentucky. And it, and it was good for him, for our head coach too, because he had never thought of it that way. And me being the new guy, I was able to, to say something. It's, it, that's been a huge thing for my coaching careers is just seeing that and, and recognizing that everybody has a role and we need to, I need to let them utilize that role to, to, to get the best out of it and to get the best out of our practices. You know, I think that's uh, it's, it's huge to success of uh, your program. You know, if you're and your staff are all on the same page, uh, it's going to be a lot easier for your players to be, you know, communicate what you guys are trying to achieve. And sure. I want to ask you, Coach, do you, you what do you do for your guys, for your coaching staff? Do you, um, do you guys have annual meetings or daily meetings? Do you guys, uh, you know, uh, go over, you know, different um, things you guys are seeing on the Internet or you're reading on different books or just you know what are you guys doing to kind of build your edu education as a staff you know a little of all of those things i think especially right now i mean we we can't obviously get together so we we've had a couple we've talked about doing some happy hours via zoom and and just talking baseball over a couple beers and and having some fun with that but um you know we've got a running group text we go through and we we send each other articles hey i saw this on twitter i, I read this from this guy or maybe check this out and and there's so much great stuff out there um and there's so much stuff that it, it, it's just fluff like it, it's it's but we have to see it all right that's that's one of the things during this time you're going to see everything and and the the good coaches are going to pick and choose what they think can help their their program and and just we share the, that stuff back and forth probably two to three times a day i mean just hey this is this i saw this what do you think on this what what should we do to get to this point for, for the fall guys so that they, so that they can, we can incorporate this and have them know what they should be doing and, and, and just that kind of stuff. And, um, but just having a running dialogue, having communication, uh, we're going to go to, to the clinics and stuff so that we can, we can just connect with other coaches and, uh, we'll probably do the, the Oregon one this year. I'd like I, one of these times I want to get out to the national one and just catch up with other guys, but, um, I don't know that Burbank has that in the budget. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, uh, we just, we communicate quite a bit and, and, and just try to, we try to stay on the same page so that, you know, if I've looked at something that I think makes sense that, that, that we should look at, then 
I'll shoot it to both of my coaches and they'll do the same thing. I suggest filling the PO out and giving it to them because the looks on the faces is pretty funny. Cause I've tried and they're like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, get, I think I get 350 bucks, so I'll just ask to, to <laughs> multiply it by 10 and see if we can make part of it happen. Maybe go for the amazing race, see who can get there first. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Talk about that year one uh, culture building stuff. You get in there with the guys day one. I mean, how do, what, what do you prioritize with those guys to get them on the right page with a group that you haven't worked with before? Huh, there, there was a lot, man. It, I think it was really eye-opening for me because I, just seeing kind of how far behind some of our guys were uh, was a challenge. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer. I, I, we talk about, like, the four Cs. We talk about character, commitment, communication, and compet- competition. Uh, and then being consistent would be our fifth one. So doing all those things. So I, I, my practice plan, I post. I, I had a group me with all of our guys. I send them the group me before practice. So that, um, preseason, I told them all the stuff that was going to happen. I don't think they believed me because there, some of them were slow to get on and, the, you know, as they're high school kids. But um, after the first communication and, and a couple guys didn't reply, then I'm, I'm hammering the phone, texting them, hey, I need, I need you to get on this. There's, there's, you're missing out on stuff. Um, so I, I, that in the beginning, even before we started, was a huge eye-opener to those guys that, hey, the, these guys really care. And not that the old staff didn't care about them, but we cared about them succeeding and cared about them getting better. Um, and, and, and that was even before we stepped on the field. So once we stepped on the field and, and, and I promised them it was going to be the hardest practices that they'd gone through, but they were going to enjoy it. They were going to have fun. Um, and, and they did. I mean, they, there were just guys coming to me after the next day saying that they were sore on Tuesday than they were the second day of football practice. And it's not because we ran or did a bunch of stuff. It's because we did baseball stuff literally the whole day. And those guys were not used to that. So um, just being true to what we said we were going to be um, and, and having consistent dialogue through it. Uh, we didn't get through our whole practice plan that day. We, we modified a bunch of stuff because I thought I, I thought we would be a little further ahead. And, and, and that was fine because it was great because we bro- we'd break things down and I mean, there was a couple, a couple times that kids would, one of my assistants would say something and the kid would look at him like, am I, am I in trouble? Like, no, buddy, we're, we're coaching you. We're, we're, we're trying to help you. We're trying to modify some things. And, and that, I mean, it was really an eye opener to some of the older guys that, man, these coaches are talking to us consistently. They're, they're doing exactly what they said they were going to do. So being consistent about, uh, about who we are and what we do is, was, was huge. And, I think that's that's the cornerstone to building any program. Yeah, what you just said there about uh, you know the guys you said something to them like well, we're in trouble like no and and I had a group of kids recently that had a different coach in another sport that were like if we did something wrong that they, their sphincters went you know duct tight and they couldn't get yeah. and they just were freaked out and you just can't do that in baseball and it finally took sitting down with them like hey right. I'm giving you credit critiquing you right now you didn't do anything wrong we're just working with you to fix it. And it was, it's fun to see the calm and the ease come over the kid and how they can just go, go play. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we actually had to do that. I mean, we had to have a sit down, Hey, listen, we're, you know, we're going to coach you all day long, like to the best of our ability. We want you to grow as, as, as players. And because every single one of the guys, we only have 18, 19, 20 guys at that level. So, we're going to need pretty much every one of those guys to contribute in some way, even if it's not on the field. 
Uh, we, we're going to need guys on the bench that, that can be paying attention to signs, that can be paying attention to getting the scoreboard right, getting, getting me information from, our, from our, our charts and things like that. So understand that in order to do that, you have to understand what's going on. You have to understand the game a little bit. And, and uh, it, you know, don't – I always had – I had a coach one time say, you know, you never if, – if I'm not chewing you out, then I'm not – I don't care about you. I mean, so, so make sure that you understand that if I'm communicating with you, I'm not a big barker, but if, I mean, if we're coaching you, then there's a problem. That's when you should think that there's an issue and you're in trouble. I think the hardest part for you, Coach, this year is that you get that year one team, and we talk about it all the time, the guys that are gamers, and, and you might not see it in a practice setting, but they get in a game setting, and all of a sudden they go to that extra notch and basically have to go through the same process. Well, you know how a guy practices, you know how he works hard and whatnot, but, you know, how, how do you, I mean, do you feel like you're able to evaluate enough this year to know the type of group you have next year and to modify a plan to know, you know, what you're going to look like as a team and, and maybe how can you speed up that process if, if summer ball is really limited for you? You know, we were one of the fortunate ones that actually got to strap it on and play against another, another, uh, uniform, um, we got uh, Ryan Frula at West Valley was one of my coaches and a guy that I got to know He's a good buddy of mine. And, and he needed a team for a, a jamboree. I'm like, Hey, yeah, let's, let's go play a four, a team that might play in state. Why not? Let's see what happens. Uh, but we're, you know, we, we, we knew what was going to happen playing them and we were playing Natchez who's a good one, a one, a school. And, um, we put, we opened with West Valley and, and I'm telling you, I mean, we, we didn't look good in the first half, first top of the top of the first and in the bottom of the first, we had nobody out or nobody on and two outs and our, our shortstop sphincters, you know, tightened up a little bit and, and, and the gates blew open a little bit. They scored three or four, but you know, I think we ended up losing eight nothing. We didn't play very well, but we didn't, we didn't play poorly. Um, they didn't make a ton of mental mistakes. They got the stuff done defensively. They, they responded when we asked them to do the things. So then we go into Natchez and I, I, you know, to be honest, I, we think we're going to win every game, but I didn't think we were going to compete in a three inning set against a good one, a school, especially after getting blown, you know, getting our brakes blown off. And we came out and punched five across in the first and, and just, we really stuck it to them. And, and it, that, that's a good team, you know? So, I mean, watching our guys respond to that um, was, was huge. Now, do, do I, I mean, do I think that that's going to be any indication of what I can see coming back when I'm trying to go play against Jason or Eric next year? Absolutely not. But if nothing else, the guys that are back, that's going to be the last thing that they remember is, is that they can compete with anybody and, and they can, they believe in the fact when I say, Hey, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. We're not even playing against them. We're playing against the baseball. Let's go against that thing. Let's do control. What we can control and good things can happen because they actually saw that that happened and, and we were fortunate enough to, to play really well that day. So it's, it's a good building block. Um, but the, the one thing that it could, could be a downside is, is it might also be some false confidence going into the beginning of next year. So we're just going to start, start back up the same way with the same ideas we're, we're going to reteach everything, but ideally those guys will get some innings in or get some hitting in or do whatever it is that we can get them scheduled to do through the, the summer and fall and winter. Yeah, I think the one thing we talk about quite a bit is that it's really, really hard to build confidence without success on the field. Right. You know, and, and it comes down to how you value success. And if it's purely wins and losses in the column, 
it's really hard to, yeah. to get that confidence built within guys. But is there maybe anything little that you guys tracked? Is it charting? Is it uh, maybe games or in competitions in practice? What are the, how do you kind of evaluate success and, and show guys that maybe haven't won games a lot in the past that they're actually being successful, um, whether in a pitch-to-pitch kind of mindset? So we, we play – I mean, we have competitions throughout every practice. So And, and we – I mean, there's, there's something on the line. If it's, if it's running a little bit afterwards or if it's you get to do field work and those guys don't, we put different things on that every single day. Um, I modify the teams around so that they, I mean, especially when I didn't know who they were, like I have, I've got a decent idea, but I, I don't know who's going to step up in a competition and things like that. So we did that all day through practice. Everything was a competition. So we made sure that guys understood the value of winning and, and losing and, and all those things. And, and so it, it's a challenge uh, because we only got to practice eight times uh, and play six innings of baseball. Um, but you know, I, I think to that point, Kelly, they weren't, I mean, they honestly didn't realize how much they won the year before. I mean, they, they were like, what a, a couple, they were two games away from going to the final four. Like that was, they were excited about it, but they really, I don't think they grasped that from a win one wins and loss thing. And they knew that they won more games than they did the year before they knew that they made it to state, but they really didn't think they were that good. So from what we tried to preach is, is again, you're playing against the baseball. You're trying to win every time you step on the yard. I said it over and over again. And unfortunately it came true for some guys today is that you never know when the last time is that you spike, you spike, spike up. You don't know when, when that last day is so creative, creating, creating an environment where they can have a successful day. And that might be their last day of practice ever is important to me. So making sure that they have that opportunity to compete, making sure that we play a game called two ball. It's like a modified scrimmage. We do that almost daily after our batting practice. There's something on the line during batting practice. There's something on the line during bunting. So, and they, they'll tell you, I mean, I, some of those guys could tell us how many times that they, they, I didn't count, but they could tell me how many times they'd, they'd won in the bunting competition. Their teams won or they won in the base running competition. Their team, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I knew that. Of course I did. Right. But they keep track. If, if you, if you make it important, then they'll, then they'll make it important. Love the two ball drill, man. I haven't, I haven't heard anyone else bring up the two ball. It was a Ken Garland staple for us at St. Martin's. Oh yeah. For those listening. Right. The two ball is, is the hitter gets two balls to put the ball in play. So you get to choose, be picky on the first one, <laughs> but you know, the second pitch is a hit and run and a must swing. <laughs> Absolutely. Love doing first and third with that. Get some different yep. situations. It's a great drill. Fast paced. Guys love it. Oh yeah. And, and it's fun to put competitions on it. It's, I mean, it's, it, that's the one thing you can really, you can build that competitive spirit in the guys. Cause they, they love to compete against each other and, and mixing the teams up and doing that thing. Yeah. Two, two ball is a staple at our practices, man. The other one we got from, uh, from Andy Forgione who works with our outfielders and, and base runners he calls it the bone scrimmage. I don't know if you guys have heard of the bone scrimmage before, but basically you're, you're competing to try to score either one run or two runs in an inning. So the first inning, uh, it's a tie ball game. So if you, if you score the run, it's an automatic flip. You switch offense, defense, you got yourself a bone. You won that inning. And then at the end we go, you're down one in the game and you got to try to score two, two bones. So, Guys get to start to think we're not coaching it as far as you must bunt or you must do this and that, but they'll think, hey, I got a fast guy here. I should probably bunt. 
work situations, let them take some ownership yeah. of things. But yeah, all those little little scrimmages and things at the end, it's, it's baseball specific, but fast paced and a little bit better than BP um, and can incorporate kind of that in and out of dugout and all those different things that we like to monitor. Love it. Good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. I, you know, while you guys are talking about it, it's dawned on me that I think that stuff's going to be so important come next spring because what we got to, and what my thoughts so far in plan is we got to try to replicate games and get the kids that didn't play 20 games this last year. And I feel like stuff like that is going to be a very huge thing that if coaches are doing that this next spring to try to, in a way, play 40 games within your right. practices. Yeah, that's a that, that's the thing. It's a lot of people, you know, losing games sucks. Losing for these kids, it's it's such a challenge. And and I mean, it, it sucks at every level. But I think it hits us a lot harder than it might even even at the college level, just because a lot of those guys can get their their year back. The senior guys can get their year back. Our guys don't, and and they don't get those games back. And and I mean, f- from the college standpoint, Kelly, you're missing out on seeing guys play. And and you're missing out on some of those diamonds in the rough that, that needed their senior year to, to, to really show out. And it's, that's the thing that really hurt me the most was, was knowing that our guys don't, they, I mean, they don't know, like I said, they didn't know it was the last time they were going to wear their spikes. They had no idea. And those, we had three seniors there and they're not going to go play anywhere. And so they never will get to play, uh, probably never get to play a competitive baseball game ever again in their life. Uh, so that that's where it was. It, it hit me. It, it, that was the hardest, hardest thing I've, I've been. Th- I mean, I have been thinking about it since the, f- the day I got the first call. Like I'm trying to figure out how I can celebrate those three guys and what I can do. And there's nothing that's going to replicate the 20 game season, the chance to play for a trophy and, and all that stuff for their, their last, their last chance in, in, in high school. It's, it was devastating for those guys. That's so true, Coach, because I've been thinking about the same thing. Like, okay, well, if we're allowed some summer ball, yeah, we're going to get together and play summer ball games. And it's still not playing for the WIA, you know, right. the, the gold glove. And, That's right. you know, if we can get an alumni game this fall with other alumni and kind of celebrate them that day, but it's still not. It's still not playing yeah. for a state title or a league title of some sort. Right. You get you build a family when you're competing. and you're trying to, you're trying to grow and everybody's got the same goal. And, and that's that we preach that through our practices and through our, our I mean, through my group, me, I, I told them today that I was doing this and I, I said, if it went well, then I'd post it to them so they could <laughs> listen to it. Um, if not, then, then I'd just make them use their imagination. But, you know, I told them I loved them and, and I, I've within 10 minutes, I had five or six guys respond to, Hey, love you too, coach. And that we only got to compete for eight days, but we were able to build that, that trust and that love. And, and, I mean, that's why we do it, man. That's it's, we, we all want to hold that trophy at the end, but that's why we do it is because we get to build those relationships and, and we, we love those kids. I, 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 I can probably speak for every single one of everybody that's listening to this and everybody who's on this call. You know, we, we did a senior video deal and we posted for our five or six guys. And at the very end of it, I made sure they answered, what is going to be your advice to next year's players? And every single one of them is, you don't know when your day, yeah. your game's over. And I think that that's, an, that's a way that we as coaches in the next few years, we, we have a legitimate, hey, you don't know when this is over with, example, 2020 right. or 2020. Right. Yeah, well, I and I, I can tell, I mean, I, I tell guys, I remember my last at-bat. You don't know when your last at-bat's going to be, but you're always going to remember what happened. You're always going to remember what it was. And and for some of these these guys, it unfortunately just ended – before they even got to have a real of that. 
Yeah, I think a lot of us too, uh, you know, and you know for myself personally that you want to keep playing until someone tells you you can't. And I had probably two stop points in my career that it could have easily ended. And I'm so fortunate to to have opportunities behind that. But, but yeah, that's what, that's what hits home for those 2020s. You, you just don't know a, a guy that may not have even thought he could play college baseball now doesn't have that aha moment or have that aha guy come and see him play that, that now, Hey, this is a guy I want in my program. Cause I went and saw him, someplace that you never know um what could have happened and, and I think that's the toughest pill for us to swallow right now um but I, I think for all those guys it's just fun trying to continue to find something that you can compete in you know whether that's the golf course or that's slow pitch softball um to not to not completely go away from that competitive aspect you know you're out there for a reason trying to compete in every avenue you possibly can so for those guys it Maybe if you're a marginal player, even, you know, find an opportunity somewhere to to walk on at a JC and just give it a shot. You know, give yourself a chance to to potentially move on or or find some other avenue to do it. Get into coaching. You've you got a great message now. I, I think that's where our staff is fortunate. They have great backgrounds and, and have overcome some things in their lives um, that now all these seniors have. You know, they can give back that message in a coaching aspect. Um, to some regard so there's yes it's 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 unfortunate but hopefully there's some value in it for all those guys and and the rest of their lives with with whatever avenue they decide to go in that's a that's a great point just knowing I mean none of us had to deal with this as a player we all had our own challenges we all all had our our end point and things like that but none of us had to deal with something like this stripping it from them that I mean there wasn't an injury that was this is totally out of anybody's control so uh, it's if they can take that and capitalize on that and make it make it something that they can teach their kids, teach their players, teach whatever it may be. Like you said, in any whatever walk of life they go into is huge. And, and, and they'll be saying the same thing. You never know when you're going to put your spikes on again. You never know when you're going to throw your basketball shoes on. Again. What, what I, the, here was my last day. And, and they can every single one of these guys is going to be they're going to remember that conversation in our dugout when I said this is. I mean, I, I can't say this is the last day, but this could be the last day. Um, they're going to remember the tears. They're going to remember exactly how they felt. Um, they're going to remember that they thought it was a movie. And and those three seniors for sure. And and you never know what's going to happen. I mean, who knows with the juniors, who knows with the sophomores and the freshmen that were sitting there because they just lost a whole year of, of development. Maybe they didn't feel like they were had a shot to move forward. And the, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But if, if, if we can be positive and spin it into – this, you can take this into the future in whatever you choose to do as, as a human being, as a dad, then you can take this and make it a successful thing. Absolutely. 100%. I agree with that. Well, coach, this has been a lot of fun having you on. Thank you for, for coming on and, and being a part of this with us. Oh, thanks for having me guys. This was a blast. I, any chance I get to, to hang out with baseball guys, even if it's on a screen, I'm in, man. <laughs> Absolutely. If anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to get a hold of you? Uh, you can you can get my email. It's Sean Thompson seven at AOL. Um, I, that'll get me get you to my Twitter and my and my Facebook. Um, I'm I'm open for anything, man. Just shoot me a message, shoot me a DM, and I'd love to talk with anybody. Well, thank you again. We'd really appreciate it, and we will be right back to close this thing out in the bullpen with uh, Jason and Kelly. All right, we're heading down the line to the bullpen. Going to close this thing out. 
who's starting us off? Well, guys, I think today it is, it is another again another great podcast having Coach Thompson on and uh, you know talking a little bit something different than we've normally talked about, guys. Um, talking about coaching staffs and you know part of that culture, you know, and I, I think a, it's a viable point of our success as coaches. You know, if if you don't have the right mindset, that's uh, there in the dugout. Um, you know, you, you could have you know, possibly run into some problems and it's, it's part of the, the side, the side of communication too. Um, you know, I mean, this, that's the thing is as head coaches, you really got to make sure you're picking your guys to, to trust and to let them run with it. And if, you know, if you're out there kind of micromanaging everything and, and can't take in, how can, you know, you really let your assistants run. And I think some of us probably could work a little bit at that. You know, I think communications are key. Um, I, the way I look at coaching staffs guys is like a marriage, you know, um, we all know it's, it's not an easy thing. Um, especially the longer you're together, the harder it is. And so, but the only way to make that successful is you got an open relationship in the sense of communication. Um, you know, you have problems, you face those problems and you resolve those problems. And when you can be successful in that, I know for our staff, you know, we have ongoing weekly meetings. Um, you know, we, we have the luxury of having our own clubhouse. So we sit and talk about practices and at the end of practices and, and talk about our, our weekly you know schedule coming up and maybe some of the issues we're having some with our players, you know, um, it makes our just that much more, um, it, that, that relationship grows tighter. Um, you learn to trust each other knowing that we're all out there for the success of getting the W and, and as long as you, you know, you, you have that right direction, you know, it, it just makes that much easier, um, when you're trying to communicate, to accomplish one goal at hand, and that's just teach the game right and win ball games. Yeah, I think for me, it's um, it's having clear expectations with with staff, and that stuff you put together as a group. You know, this is what we want to accomplish this year. This is how our infielders should look. This is how the pitching staff um, should perform, and and put something numerical on it. You know, we want to have ratios of X to Y or whatever it is, and then let those assistants kind of run with however they want to instruct to get us to accomplish this goal. You know, we could meet together periodically to, to keep track of, Hey, this is where we're at. We might be missing this and that. Um, but I, I think the hardest part is being, being an assistant is, is knowing if, if someone's constantly over your shoulder, trying to see what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, and, if you're the other person that's always getting in and trying to, to offer your two cents when the guys in the gut are working, um, it, it breaks down that responsibility that that person has for that position group. You know, I, I know with our guys, I let our pitching coach go do his thing. When we're doing hitting groups, I love to pop in and see what they're doing, but at the same time, they're putting together their own plans and doing their own things to accomplish that goal. That doesn't mean that not giving input constantly, but doing it behind closed doors. So that way in, in that individual setting, it seems like that guy is fully in charge of everything that he's doing. And, and it's really the truth. It's, it's not a lie. Um, but if you're going to hash something out or offer suggestions, doing it away from the field is the big, biggest time. Um, and, and it takes some time to learn that. I know young guys, very eager. They're very um, big picture oriented. Um, and I think the hardest thing is, is trying to do everything all at once and just really being systematic about everything you do and having the bigger goal in mind 
Um, but I think the biggest thing is just setting those expectations of this is how this team is going to look. This is what we need to accomplish to win ball games because there's a lot of different ways to win ball games, and each team is a little bit unique on how they're going to be able to do those things, and each individual person brings in different strengths. And that's the greatest part about our game uh, is that you can have a, a less than superior talented team and still find a way to win. Um, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of attention to detail from from the top down. And, and I think the best part that I enjoy just going out to center field in a scrimmage setting or in a practice setting and just observe, just to watch, see how guys are communicating, see how things are going, um, maybe talking to guys individually on a basis. Um, but it, it, it just has to take buy-in and there has to be ownership with those individual position coaches and they have to feel like they um, really are able to have that freedom to do what they want with their group. Yeah, and, and I wish this is stuff that I would have heard six years ago when I started coaching, and I'm on year – I think I was year six now. And, you know, the first couple of years, like I said earlier, that it was it was me trying to do everything and have my thumb on every little piece of it. Well, that's not – it's not easy for me. We weren't being effective, and it wasn't helping coaches grow as a, as a whole staff. And I think I, I feel bad. And I, if I do go back to being assistant coach at some point in time, that I wish I would have had this knowledge when I was the assistant coach at Kittitas – uh, coaching with the Hall of Fame coach Merle Watkins, and I would have been such a better assistant for him then, knowing that. And, and when he finally gave me the some uh, some leeway to take take hitting over and do that stuff, and and I would have done such a better job of making it mine and doing a better job at it. Um, the other thing with that is like I start all my coaches meetings, and the we have one usually January to start things off with the plan for the rest of the year or the to prepare for the season, and. I let my coaches know, hey, you're not going to agree with everything that I teach or want to do. Uh, I'm not going to, I might not agree with you either. And we might not get along on some, but we're not going to talk. We're not going to show that on the field. We're going to meet afterwards. You pull me aside and say, this is what I think. And that I always let my coaches know that they have an opinion when I ask them a question. I want the honest answer. I don't want the eyewash stuff. Uh, and then I just let them know that I'm going to make the final decision on this. Don't be offended when I don't to your way. But I, I am listening and I am open to what you're having to say. And and then like when Kelly and I and I was trying to dive into this more a long time ago, a few years back, and I've given our guys absolutes, okay? Outfield play. We're going to be the best at catching the ball. Nothing's going to get behind us and we're going to hit a relay guy. That's what I want you to make sure of. And after that, make it your own. And if you need help finding clinic videos, if you need help talking to anybody, I will help you reach out to that. But this is the absolutes, what we have to do. And it's simple stuff like that. And it's just simple baseball. And then, uh, you know, just trying to, like you said, give them ownership and let them grow as coaches as well. Yeah. And I, I think we don't want to forget too to let them know how well they're doing. Um, you know, I, I think we are, we're all want that little bit affirmation knowing that we're doing the job right. And so I think there's no wrong in, in, in talking to your coach and, and being a disagreement on something. And maybe something he was communicating to your infielders that you don't want to take place, you know, but also reassuring that, Hey, you know, you are doing a good job. I do appreciate you. And I, I think when we show that in leadership and it doesn't matter if it's on the baseball field or if it's a, you know, your job or just, you know, in, in the sense of just running people, you're going to just have a different, they're going to have a different sense of respect. You're going to have a sense of respect for them. And it's just that you just have a good collaboration of people that are working to achieve that one goal. I will throw out there though. Like if I have a brand new guy that I know nothing about that's coming up to volunteer, I will work closely with him and be around him more before I give him more leeway. 
and I will ask him to, you know, what, maybe, what, what do you think? And I try to quiz him early. And if he, if I'm getting the stuff back that I, I think our kids can be around what he is, that's when I say, and I don't want this to sound bad, but it's almost like I, you give him a, a reward in the fact of, Hey, go teach him that. And they're like, really? Cause you haven't let me, well, yeah, go, go ahead. I like what you're talking about. And I think you can get a, a big buy-in from your staff in, in, in that similar situation, I guess. I think the other part of that too, is that a lot of the younger guys want to always look for, look for that affirmation or always constantly asking. And I think what, what I've tried to do with at least our younger pitching coach this year is to try to stay away from that and let him fail from time to time. And not that I want to fail, um, but in a pitch calling standpoint, if it's always asking me, well, what should we do? What should we do? Um, for one, I'm usually wrong. So I, and we talked about this before the, the one that I want is not, never the right pitch, but um, just to allow him to feel that stress of, okay, this is my decision. I get to make this now. And, and it's going to honestly hold so much true in their mind, whether it worked or didn't work because they had accountability for it. And that's where the growth happened. Yeah. And that was something when I, I'd been with coach Watkins for a few years and when he, that'd be the two years before he retired, he said, coach Eric, you're coaching third base. And like, okay. And I figured I'd be looking in the dugout and he'd give me a sign to what the call in the first game. I looked in the dugout and he goes, yeah, go ahead. And I was like, oh my God, like, what, do I, what do I do here? I, was, I almost freaked out. And I kept looking for affirmation, you know, the dugout. But if he wouldn't have done that for me in that aspect, and I, luckily I'd been with him for four, three or four years, but if he wouldn't have done that for me, my first coach as the actual head coach, I would have been lost. And, but he gave me a chance to figure it out. Um, well, that was a, a great episode, guys. I, I hear a lot of fun with this one, and and we will wrap it up with saying, check us out on Facebook at Pacific, or Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter. Check us out on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. We had a lot of fun. We had got some good uh, guys talking back and forth on your on top hand versus bottom hand uh, fungo. Which before we leave, what are you guys? Did you guys already answer? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's always uh, always going to go top hand, man. Yeah. You got to hit those fungal bombs, baby. Absolutely. You know, nothing better than uh, opening up on daybreak on a Saturday doubleheader at Kittitas and uh, <laughs> nailing the houses in left field. Hey, nothing feels better. A pop-up <laughs> to the infield at Kittitas goes over a lot of fences there. I think Garrett Falker's, uh, you know, you got to get the nice leg kick and the good motion and looking good on that. So we'll give him the shout out there. So uh, be ready. We're going to have a, another another uh, a poll we're going to put out next week, another banter topic on Friday and make sure to subscribe and rate us on apple itunes podcast apple podcast spotify and google podcast you know what take care of one another stay healthy and let's get back to baseball <laughs>